All right, hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Massive Breakdown Podcast, episode 44. We have an excellent podcast for you this week. We're going to be talking about the Destiny 2 reveal. I was lucky enough to be invited out there. I got to attend in person. That means I got to see the trailers. I got to see the gameplay, the strikes, the story missions, the PvP. I got to see Luke Smith talk, shake Deej and Cosmo's hand, all the very, very cool stuff. It was absolutely amazing. I will tell you guys about it in a second. Um... But first, let's go ahead and get the introduction out of the way so we can hop right into it. I'm joined, as always, by Kit Kutcha. How are you doing tonight, Kit? Merck, man, I am I am doing uh, super jealous of you for getting to have a killer time uh, hanging out with Bungie folks, with all kinds of awesome people from the community. Uh, I mean, that's such an opportunity. Uh, I'm, I'm actually super happy for you. I'm, not, I'm really not jealous. I'm, I'm really happy you got to go. Uh, but I'm also incredibly curious, so I'm I'm ready to jump into it myself. I wish you could have been there, man. I was the sole representative for Massive Breakdown, unfortunately. Uh, it was a little bit lonely, but I met some great people. I want to give a couple of shout-outs to uh, the members of the podcast Pizza Party. If you don't follow me on Twitter, you probably don't have any idea what that was, but me and a couple other podcast guys, uh, the Loot Cast, Crucible Radio, Lore Cast, uh, went out and got some dinner after the reveal, and we had a great roundtable discussion about what we'd seen that day. And we were joking, we should have just put a mic in the center of the table, recorded the entire thing, and then published it as the podcast Pizza Party. So shout out to those guys. It was absolutely fantastic. Also, Coolio, uh, he's one of the mods for Raid Secrets, and he was there with us as well. Uh, kind of uh, being, being, being our selfie stick, not to, not to take anything away from him, but he, he helped us take a picture of the entire group that we got to then post on Twitter. So that was absolutely fun. Um, who else did I meet? Like I said, Deej, Cosmo. Uh, I mean, everybody, Ninja with Noel, Fallout, True Vanguard, just a ton, an absolute uh, mega magwitch um, from Planet Destiny. I mean, there were, there were so many people, too many people for me even to mention. Matt Oshi, uh, the animations guy. I don't, I don't even want to keep saying names because I'm scared I'm going to start forgetting people and people are going to be insulted. But uh, the guys from Destiny Reset, God, who else? I can't do it. I got, you got to stop me, Kutch. I can't <laughs> keep going. I can't keep going on. I'm sorry if I forgot your name, but I definitely saw you guys, and it was awesome to hang out with you. It was fun having some beers and talking Destiny and playing some games. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm ready to, I'm ready to talk about Destiny Two itself. Yeah, man. That's, I mean. I saw a lot of these pictures. That's it's so awesome. I got to say, uh, you know, we're going to be hanging out. I think with with many of these people uh, in about a month at Guardian Con. So uh, might have to see if we can get a, an expanded reunion of the podcast pizza party. Uh, maybe maybe actually throw a mic down and uh, uh, share some of the fun. Um, really looking forward to getting to meet some of these folks myself at that point. But yeah, let's uh, let's dive into it. I know you threw up. You threw up a post on uh, on Reddit, and we got a we got a tweet out. We got a ton of people asking questions. Um, uh, before we jump into it, I do want to say I want to acknowledge we are doing a giveaway in this episode. Not right not right now. We aren't announcing the winner right now. Uh, gotta gotta stick with us here for a little bit. But we're going to be announcing the winner of a Union of Light emblem that Merc was lucky enough to pick up uh, at the reveal. So stick around for that. Uh, in the meantime, though, why don't we start with your impressions? Uh, why don't you go and just give us the the good, the bad, and the ugly of this whole thing, and and we'll see if we can answer a lot of questions right there, and then we'll we'll dig into some some deeper questions from Twitter and Reddit after that. Yeah, absolutely. So um, what we're gonna do here, like you said, is the good, the bad, and the ugly. The good stuff I liked, the bad stuff I didn't like. The ugly. There's a little bit of a 
turmoil in the community right now. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to head some of that off. I'm going to try to talk about some of that because I think a lot of it's really unfair and a lot of it's coming from people who maybe uh, aren't fully aware of what they're talking about or are just looking for reasons to complain. But we'll get to get that in a minute. The first thing I want to say, um, the reveal itself was amazingly well set up. The way they had the screens, the sound system, all of us sitting in a dark room watching the Zavala Origins trailer and then the first gameplay mission, everything like that. It was absolutely tremendous. Um, and that leads me to my first point, the good. The story mission that I played uh, that a lot of you have seen because there is some gameplay of it on YouTube Um is tremendous it is better than anything that destiny or any of its dlcs has had at this point in time and i don't know for a fact that every story mission is going to be just as good but one of the biggest issues i had with vanilla destiny is that it seemed like the worlds were built and then they laid story missions on top of them so they kind of built this area and then the area was empty and then they said we need a story mission in this area and they kind of gave you points in the area to run to and you killed enemies in that and it kind of made it feel like the story missions levels weren't designed with a story in mind um and i know that probably makes sense because it saved a lot of time in the design process but this story mission that i played it made it feel like the entire level was designed with that story mission in mind it felt a lot more like a cohesive story unit it felt like a mission from halo shorter by a little bit but every bit is exciting and on top of that it looked absolutely stunning it was gorgeous i loved every single thing about it i cared about the characters i was on the edge of my seat leaning forward that's something that at almost no point in time now there were a few missions uh, during you know the Taken King and during Rise of Iron that led me close to that. But this mission on its own was absolutely two thumbs up, just amazing. And, and I don't think I can overstate how incredible it made me feel to be playing that inside of a Destiny game. Yeah, just, you know, I, I was at work uh, on my lunch break watching this reveal, and uh, that whole thing was just so, so amazing to see on the screen right there knowing that this is a game that we're going to actually get to play this fall, and maybe sooner, I guess this summer with the beta, we'll get to play this mission, all of us, not just uh, those who are lucky enough to be there um, at the reveal. Uh, I have to ask, uh, kind of following up on that, you know, how being being in that audience, watching it in the room on, on the big screen there, how incredible was it to see, you know, that Zavala origin story and this whole kind of uh, epic of destiny um, playing out in front of you, like what was the what was the feeling in the room? It was amazing. I I legitimately got goosebumps two or three times, and that sounds ridiculous to say because it's a video game. But you're in this room with a crowd of people who all love the video game just as much or more than you do, and you know this trailer plays, and you see these weapons that we've wanted for so long, and you see these cutscenes and this narration and. You see all this stuff that you've wanted to learn about for so long in the game and you never had. And it, it legitimately gave me goosebumps a couple of times during it. Uh, it was it was absolutely amazing. It was a truly fantastic experience uh, is probably the only way I'm ever going to be able to describe it. I don't know if words can even do it justice, but it, it was incredible. Yeah, no, I, I I feel you. I don't, you know, I wouldn't say anything bad about that. Honestly, I anybody who, who really is passionate about Destiny and uh, is invested in the story who didn't get goosebumps watching uh watching that trailer like i don't even i don't even know what that's about i guess maybe they just don't get goosebumps like it 
it gave them to me and I was at work. So it's, uh, it was, it was cool. It very much, it very much was that. And then, um, another thing that if you guys were worried about destiny two, so there are like two trains of thought. There are people who wanted destiny two to be exactly like destiny one. And then there are people who wanted to be totally different from destiny one. Um, and both of them are kind of probably a little disappointed right now. So for me, my internal expectation was I thought it was going to be very, very similar to Destiny 1. Very, very similar. I did not expect tremendously huge graphical improvements, UI changes, anything. I basically expected it to be like the difference between Rise of Iron and Vanilla, but, you know, on top of Rise of Iron. Um, it is much better looking much 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 better looking than destiny one is maybe that didn't come across in the reveal stream or the youtube stuff that you've seen but having played it in person uh i was shocked at how different it actually looked compared to destiny one i was thinking it was going to be very similar to destiny and i was shocked like legitimately it's not a whole total redesign it's not like they're between halo reach and halo ce it's not like that uh, it's not like the difference between Halo 4 and Halo Reach even, but it looks very, very different. The UI is completely redesigned, in my opinion, for the better. I actually like it. I was a little taken aback at first. I was like, whoa, this is very strange compared to what I'm used to. But within two games, I think, I'd completely gotten used to it. It's very intuitive. I absolutely love it. And the game, I promise you, when you start playing for yourself, the game looks better. It looks a lot better than Destiny 1. And not only that, we still have retained all the smoothness that Destiny is famous for. That gunplay, if you were worried about it going away, do not be. It is still just every bit as smooth and as good feeling as Destiny 1 is. Every gun felt wonderful to me. They all felt unique. Uh, well, at least all the primaries felt unique. They felt, they felt good in my hands. It felt good to control. The jumps felt nice. It felt a little different. It felt... I want to say softer. Like the movements have been dialed back a little bit. It seemed like stuff was a little bit slower. Times to kill were a little bit slower. Uh, and I don't think that's a bad thing. I actually think it's a good thing. We've known for a while that Bungie has been trying to push themselves in that direction. But the problem was they were taking a game that wasn't designed with those time to kills and they were slowing them down artificially kind of. This game, it seems like it's been designed around those time to kills. And it functions much, much better because of that. So I was very, very excited at the way my character was moving, at the way the guns were firing, at the way everything felt, to know that I didn't have to be worried about losing any of you know, that Destiny secret sauce. It's all still there. And it just has like a fresh cone of paint on top of it and some fresh mechanics to go along underneath it. It's, it was absolutely wonderful. That's awesome to hear. I know a lot of people have been concerned about, you know, how is PvP changing? Is the feel going to be different? Is it not going to be as much fun? And from everything you've just said and from some conversation we've had outside of the podcast, uh, I know personally I am just even more excited to be able to dig into it than I already was. Like I, I have been waiting for this for so long and now I'm just like, give me the beta, give me the date, uh, <laughs> sign, you know, I'm already signed up. Don't even sign me up. I'm ready. I, I'm ready to download it. Um, so that's, that's awesome to hear that the secret sauce is still in place. Uh, any other any other good stuff that you've got for us? Anything else? Um, I know there's a lot to get through in in the bad and the ugly sections too. But um, any other any other things that really stood out to you as positive about Destiny Two? So I actually like the change to four v four as well. 
Um, a lot of people asking about that. I feel like, yeah, I feel like I need to state that overall, my opinion of the reveal was overwhelmingly positive. Overwhelmingly positive. Like the big major things I was looking for, which was I want a cinematic story. I want balanced competitive PvP. And I want in-game lore, which goes along with the cinematic story. And I want, you know, everything that makes Destiny great right now. I want loot. I want weapons. I want that same buttery smooth feeling. All of the things I was looking for were there to some extent. So those are all the necessities. Those are the things that I consider like necessities right there, okay? So every single thing I was looking for and that facet was there. Um, but another good thing, the PvP itself felt spectacular to me. And now we only got one map and we only got one game type and we only had a very limited set of weapons. Uh, there was no meta. Nobody's done what I do, which is go through and figure out the times to kill, which I will be doing. Nobody's, you know, done any of that stuff yet. So, of course, things haven't shaken out. So people were still experimenting. It was very much like the first days of the of the Destiny beta where people were pulling weapons and just like, oh, this is cool. This is cool. This is cool. But I tried every single weapon. And I think I can safely say, I mean, I probably played 30 games over the course of the day. I played a lot. And I think I can safely say with the limited set that we had, with the limited skill perks that we had, with the limited subclasses that we had on the limited map and game types, there was nothing that was straight up broken. And I was even talking to one of the engineers who was there, who was like helping us run the games. And he was saying something, he's like, one of their huge main goals was to be a lot more deliberate in Destiny 2 than they were in Destiny 1. And Destiny 1, they kind of threw shit at the wall, and whatever stuck, stuck, and it led to a lot of game-breaking mechanics. Uh, blink at the beginning, Icebreaker at the end, you know, shotgun ranges, they fusion grenades at this point in time, mechanics that are basically game-breaking. Like, you have to now form a meta around this mechanic. You have to now balance the game around this mechanic. And they didn't want that. And they said that was a product of them basically being like, oh, this sounds like a cool idea, and then throwing it into the game and then playtesting it down to where they thought it was passable. Now they design stuff from the ground up to fit into the game as opposed to just putting something into the game and then kind of wiggling it around until it fits a little bit. Um, and they said they did the same thing with maps. And, and the map was so intuitive. It was perfect. It had wonderful lanes. I didn't feel like I was being sequestered into any side of the map. If I wanted to run long range, I ran long range. And there was a part of the map that allowed me to dominate. If I wanted to run close range, I ran close range. And the way the objectives were positioned, I was okay with going to either of those two options. I didn't have to go to one or the other. It was really, really wonderful. And he said the reason why they did that is because in Destiny 1, they basically designed a beautiful map, right? And then they threw it out there, and they let playtesters get it into working order. He said they, just like with the weapons, just like with the mechanics, they deliberately didn't do that this time. They designed a workable map, and then once they got the geometry right, then they overlaid something that looked good on top of it, right? So he said every single map's corner is deliberately there. Every single piece of cover is deliberately there. Every single room is deliberately there. Whereas before, they were like, hey, a room would be great there, and then they are like, oh shit, people camp in this room all the time, well, let's knock a wall out. So they kind of flipped away, flipped around the strategy that they were working with. And in my opinion, it, it worked wonderfully. All the primary weapons found balance. I didn't feel like I was at a disadvantage using a hand cannon, scout rifle, pulse rifle, auto rifle. I used all of them, all four of them. They all felt great in their given ranges. Uh, secondary weapons, it was a little bit iffier because secondary weapons are basically just primary weapons that now have elemental damage. Um, but the ones they gave us, 
we didn't get a, a secondary auto rifle, pulse rifle, scout rifle. We got a hand cannon, submachine gun, and actually we might have gotten a secondary auto rifle. But we got a hand cannon, submachine guns, and sidearms. And uh, I found myself running pulse rifle hand cannon a lot. Um, but but we can talk about that more in, in the bad section because there are some worries that I have. Uh, but what I want to say is that I like the new system with the weapons too, where it's two primaries and then like a, a special slash heavy. I really, really like that system. And I want to tell you a story. I was watching a very good player play. I forget who it was, but he had a pulse rifle as his primary uh, and a hand cannon as a secondary. And he was attacking someone at mid-range with a pulse rifle. And just as he finished them off, a Titan shot out from around the corner that was directly in front of him. And flawlessly, without even a second's hesitation, he pulled out the hand cannon, took down the Titan. And it was such a beautiful, beautiful thing to watch that this player had already adapted to having two primary weapons and was using them perfectly in the situations that they were expected to be used in. And it was, it was an amazing thing. I, I really, truly think that the new system they have for weapons is probably the best thing they could have done for Destiny 2. It makes it to where you don't have to worry about the special ammo economy. There's not people aping with shotguns, camping with sniper rifles, you know, charging you with sidearms. You don't have to worry about any of that. It's just primary gun battles. And aiming skill is put to the test, and it feels so damn good. It's absolutely amazing. And for those of you who are worried that like, oh, they're slowing down the game. It's going to be easier for bad players to be good. It's not. It's actually, in my opinion, it was the total opposite of that. Good teams annihilated average teams. Like the skill ceiling, in my opinion, was a lot higher because there were less cheesy things that you could do. I know that you had a, a really good run with Fallout. I saw you guys talking about that on Twitter. And I know you. we, we talked about that a little earlier. Um so, but then I know you also had some some struggles playing uh, playing some other guys uh, when you didn't have when you didn't have teammates of quite the same caliber. Um, so it's it's kind of good to hear, I think, that there is a clear delineation of skill, and that that you know that gives us room to improve, gives us room to learn, and gives good players room to shine as well, which I think is something that competitive destiny has really been clamoring for. Um, so I'm I'm hopeful that. You know, people of all stripes are going to be able to enjoy this. From what I've seen, uh, combining special and heavy might be one of the most just genius things they could have done uh, going into Destiny 2. Just watching the the decision making then that goes into play is very different because, like you said, there's you've got that special economy that was that was a real problem because it was you know do they, if you take it away completely. People are used to having these guns. If you take it away partially, you know, it, there's no good solution. That's something we've talked about for a while. That the way that the special economy works in Destiny 1 is, does not seem to be solvable. And it seems like Bungie is aware of that, and they're just trying their best to mitigate the situation. Um, and so hearing that they were starting fresh and that they're, they have this renewed focus on primary gunplay, I'm, I'm really happy to hear your impressions uh, of how that's worked out. I'm, I personally am psyched to be able to uh, experiment with these weapons when the beta launches. I was curious, though, about the the whole kinetic versus energy thing. I've, I've seen and heard a lot of things uh, about how that, how that plays out and how, like, energy weapons maybe uh, do more damage against enemies who are in an active super. 
Um, I'm wondering if you if you have any information to share with us on how energy weapons work and how they differ from kinetic weapons. Now, this was something I was unclear about. I didn't notice whether or not there were certain weapons that could only drop in an energy slot or certain weapons that could only drop in a kinetic slot. I wasn't sure. I think that's the way it works, though. Um, I think there are weapons from both from all the primary classes that can drop in either one. But I think if a weapon drops in energy, it can only drop in energy. If it drops in kinetic, it can only drop okay. in kinetic. I think. I'm not certain. They gave us a very limited set of numbers. Uh, on top of that, I was told that if the energy of the weapon you're using corresponds to the element of the super that you're attacking, it does more damage. Okay. I did not notice that for myself for a fact, so I don't want to confirm or deny that, but I've heard from enough reliable sources that I would say it probably is true. Um, what I noticed about the supers is that the supers didn't seem to be as tanky as they are right now. I don't know for a fact if it's just the way they felt in general, uh, but I did not seem to have as much of an issue taking down supers with primary weapons uh, as I do in Destiny 1. Um, that may have just been my experience because I was playing people who weren't very good, and that you know could be it, that they weren't hitting me with their supers, so I felt like I was able to kill them fast enough. Um but it may have been that I was using an elemental weapon and I didn't even notice it. Like I said, that was something I, I we actually talked about at the at the Pizza Party podcast. Um, afterwards, I didn't notice that myself playing the game, but reviewing gameplay, it should be easy to figure out whether or not they actually do. And that's something I'm going to do this upcoming week as I actually start. Because, you know, I only got back at one at 2 o'clock in the morning last night and then woke up, spent a day playing a little bit of Destiny, just relaxing basically because I was on a plane all day yesterday. Um, but starting tomorrow, I'm going to be looking at every single bit of gameplay I can find. Because uh, obviously, you know, I got to play a bunch, but I didn't get to record any. So I need to actually start, you know, researching as much as I can. And God, good Lord, I'm excited for the for the beta yeah. is basically what it's going to be. I'm going to be capturing every bit of gameplay I can find. I'm going to be doing all the numbers. It's going to be amazing. But yeah, so that's a uh, long story short. That's uh, what I know about elemental weapons, which is not very much. Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, that's that's more, I guess, confirmation on what I've been seeing flying around the internet, which is always a little unreliable. Um, we definitely have a lot of gameplay out there to start reviewing and start kind of figuring some of this stuff out. And then, of course, you know, we'll see what happens. It's it's hard to, to really want to get too precise or, or dig too hard right now, knowing that it's probably going to change by the time the beta drops. And that it's going to change again by the time that uh, that the game actually launches. Although, you know, with the beta, it is going to be a lot more interesting and a lot easier to really dig into as well since we'll have the game. Um, so that's that's really what I'm looking forward to as well is just getting my hands on that. I don't think I have any other questions about the good stuff, though. I know some other people do, but we will, we will come back to that. Uh, why don't we take a minute and kind of dig into some of the stuff that uh, that concerns you about this reveal? I haven't seen it hands-on well so i want to clarify that this isn't stuff that i necessarily think is like a straight up negative because we saw such a limited amount of the game that i don't know for a fact that these things are going to work this way it's more like you said things i'm just concerned about at this point in time uh the first thing i'm concerned about and i'm pretty concerned about i'm not going to lie is the startling lack of customization that was available um the subclass perk trees function differently than they do in destiny 
they no longer allow you to choose armor, agility, and recovery. Uh, and they also made it v- seem like you had to choose from a selection of four perks, a group of four perks, as opposed to one perk individually in each slot. And the reason why I don't like that is because instead of now having eight options to choose, I have two options. And the problem that I saw was particularly evident on Gunslinger, where Gunslinger has a perk that gives you six shots on the golden gun, but it basically cuts the time it's active in half. In PvP, that means that you basically get one kill. You do not have enough time to use it. With the way the activation animation works, you can't just pop it like a panic super like you can some of the other ones. Uh, you actually have to wait, which means you can't pop it out in the you know open when you're in the middle of an engagement, which means you have to pop it behind cover. Then you have to waste time running from behind cover and chasing people. I don't think I ever got more than one kill with it because it's just too short. It's like five or six seconds. So you never get a chance to use those six golden gun shots, which means that in PvP, I will never select that group of perks. Because it's basically a wasted super. It doesn't matter what the other three perks are. I'm never going to use that group of perks. Because it means my super is basically useless. And compared to the Dawnblade and Fist of Panic. Fist of Havoc supers. Excuse me. No, you got uh, it right. Those supers are extremely powerful now. So it was like this. I don't like this lack of customization. And on top of that, I don't like the fact that there's no more intellect. There's no more discipline. There's no more strength. Uh, because I felt that the cooldowns on the abilities, uh, with the exception of a, a couple, uh, the cooldowns on the supers, you know, bump those up a little bit. That's fine. I thought the cooldowns on the grenades and the melees were too long by 10, 15 seconds, maybe even by a little bit more than that. I thought they were way too long. And now it looks like we're going to have to find another way to decrease those because they wanted to go flat across the board. And I understand not wanting ability spam, but ability is part of what makes Destiny unique. It's part of why I love Destiny. It's what sets Destiny apart from Halo or from other shooters are the abilities we have. And they basically took some of those away. I didn't think the Hunter ability came back fast enough because all it is is Shade Step, which is nothing compared to placing down a barrier that absorbs damage, or nothing compared to placing down a barrier or a bubble, an aura, which boosts your teammate's damage. Like, all it is is Shade Step, and it still takes almost 20 seconds to get it back every single time. I felt like that wasn't nearly enough, considering all it does is freaking reload your gun for you, or give you a little bit of melee energy if you're near enemies when you do it. Like... To me, it, it, it's a cool ability, and it wasn't enough, um, and I don't feel like the abilities come back enough. Now, that being, said, that being said, I feel like the Titan and Warlock abilities maybe even could take a little bit longer. Maybe the Titans is probably good where it is, but the Warlocks could take a little bit longer than it did. Um, honestly, I felt like they both could take a little bit longer because, I mean, I was seeing Titan barriers all over the damn yeah. place, and those things are actually pretty annoying <laughs> when you're trying to come up against one. They eat a lot of damage. And it's basically just cover you can put down wherever you want. And the same thing with the Warlocks ones. Every time I felt like I was engaging a damn Warlock, the Warlock would pop one of those recovery bubbles or would pop a damage bubble. So I feel like it could actually take a little longer to get those. Um, But back to the customization thing, what I'm worried about is that they removed a lot of the perks on the armor. They removed intellect, discipline, strength. They made it to where armor now gives recovery, agility, uh, and armor itself. And I feel like it took away a little bit of the ability to customize our character. I don't think people thought that there was too much customization going on with the way the subclasses work now, with the way intellect, discipline, strength worked, the way armor, agility, recovery worked. I don't think they thought that there was too much there. What they were annoyed by was having one type of 
perk for every single weapon in the game in terms of ammo and reload. That was kind of a little bit annoying. Yeah. So I, I can understand cutting down in that area, but it seems like they trimmed way too much from it. And again, I don't know if it's because it was just the beta version or whatever it is, but I did not like the lack of customization that we were given. I thought it was very concerning because part of what makes Destiny fun to me is the fact that I can have a dozen different builds and all these customizationable options that I, I really enjoy making. Yeah, it's uh, there's definitely, you're not the only person that I've heard raise that concern i'm hopeful that we're gonna we're gonna learn more as time goes on here about how that stuff works in detail i know you guys only got a limited set of options to choose um it was interesting to me that they took away uh you know intellect uh discipline and strength um on the one hand i think you know trying to kind of even up the way that abilities work across the classes could be a very good thing for destiny it, it in some ways you know it can make certain things less breakable if everything is just you know kind of the same or, or very similar um but on the other hand like you said it does take away some of the customization and it's not necessarily the ability scores that i think were frustrating or are frustrating still in destiny when it is it is things like the way that some of the armor perks work like I just don't even care 90% of the time what perks I have on my armor um, because it just doesn't matter that much compared to, you know, many of the other things, you know, compared to the, the ability scores. And maybe that was, maybe that was their goal. Maybe they felt that, you know, they wanted us to care more about the perks and less about the ability scores on the armor. Um, I don't know. Uh, it's, it's definitely kind of early to speculate too hard on that front, but it is, uh, it is something to, to definitely watch for more information from Budgie on, for sure. Um, hopefully they'll give us a, give us some more gameplay and, and give us some more information on how all of those things are going to work for us. And the second thing that I was a little bit worried about, and I, got, I became less worried about this as the day went on, but it was the fact that the range, the damage drop-off numbers seem to happen very, very quickly, like really quickly um the guns all seem to do less damage basically time to kill in general was just lengthened so the engagements take longer um and that was something i was a little bit worried about at the beginning because i was thinking about how annoying it would be to play destiny right now destiny one with time to kill is that long but thankfully destiny two seems to be built around times to kill that are that long so it wasn't nearly as annoying as i thought it would be so that wasn't an issue that i had but I was trying out all the weapons, and a couple of the weapons just didn't seem useful to me, particularly submachine guns. All they really were to me was faster-firing auto rifles that did less damage and had worse range. And I could not find a real use for them uh, in PvP. I could not. I tried. It honestly just seemed like auto rifles were better at close range than submachine guns were. Hand cans are better at close range than submachine guns were. They just they don't do enough damage, and they're hard enough to control on their own that they seemed like the way 102 auto rifles used to be. It, it really just seemed kind of like they just wanted to branch take you know high impact or sorry high rate of fire autos and separate them into their own thing call them submachine guns but i didn't really see anything that distinguished them from actual auto rifles that was my question really with submachine guns because i know we saw some speculation a couple of months ago that they were going to add submachine guns in. and i was talking to some people about this and i was like 
We already have high rate of fire auto rifles, which are basically just submachine guns that look like auto rifles. Like, what exactly would they be adding to the game? I, I don't think it's going to happen. Obviously, I was wrong. Uh, they did add them to the game. But I think that that's a really valid question. Like, what exactly are they bringing to the table? Maybe, you know, I mean, not every weapon's going to be good at launch, you know, just like with Destiny 1. I hope they're going to do a better job. But um, one of the other odd things about this, and we already talked about this, but I think it, it deserves maybe bringing up publicly uh 750 rpm uh saw that on on a gun i, I don't even know how that makes sense with 30 frames per second uh, mathematically that's a big problem yeah. so <laughs> yeah that's the risk runner uh submachine gun it so what they did is they changed rate of fire they took rate they took away the rate of fire bar and then now have the rpm stat and it gives you a number which is awesome but it says 750 yeah it's great for me obviously i'm not going to trust any of it because we know how much bungee stats are wrong and i'm going to test them all myself anyways uh but it'll give me good preliminaries but it says 750 rounds per minute which we worked it out and what it would be is every three frames it would fire two rounds and we're not exactly quite sure how that's going to end up working um it's gonna be weird if that's yeah if that's actually in the game like it's i guess that's fine for for pc players like y'all who are moving to pc uh don't have to worry about it so much although with uncapped frame rates again i i don't know how some of these things are going to uh to play out i'm sure that the game engine will figure it out um <laughs> however it has to uh, clearly bungie's accounted for it but I'm curious what the explanation is of, of how that's going to work in the game. Yeah, um, um, I, I don't know. Kind of a kind of a side note at this point. It's really not that important yet. We'll <laughs> we'll we'll know when uh, when we get it. It was just something weird. I just I just felt like submachine guns didn't really have a purpose. Um, sidearms are not as good as they are right now. They're not bad either. They're kind of just like what sidearms would be if you know their damage drop off was really aggressive and they didn't do as much damage. Um, they're kind of good at close range. I got killed by them a few times, got a couple kills, didn't think they were super, you know, OP or anything. Um, another issue I have with weapons though, is the way they're going to balance, uh, the special and heavy, because I know they said the, the answer is one word. It's ammo with a rocket launcher. You get one rocket. That's it. With a sniper rifle, maybe you get six bullets and that could attribute to more kills. Um, the way I found it was I tried to use a sniper rifle for a little bit and it may have been the game type, but I just switched over to a rocket launcher and because a rocket launcher is basically a guaranteed kill. So I would just get my one guaranteed kill. It's basically an elimination game mode and there was no reason to even use a sniper rifle. I would just go right back to my primaries. Um, so I'm interested to see how they balance that. Now, that's not something I'm as worried about as, as the lack of customization because I think that a lot of that will be game type dependent. Yeah. Uh, obviously, if there were respawns, it might be more prevalent to have a sniper rifle because I'd be able to take down more people and getting one singular kill isn't as important. Uh, so we'll see, but I'm interested to see how they balance the special and, uh, and heavy situation. It did look like fusions were better than they are in Destiny 1 right now. I think they did actually maybe more damage per bolt than they do right now. I believe Swain tested it from Crucible Radio and said that they fire six bolts instead of seven now. I'm not quite sure. Uh, I was not recording damage numbers when I was playing, and I know I should have been, but the damage numbers were fluctuating so wildly 
across the board, thanks to damage drop-off, that it was really hard to get anyone to just stand still and let me shoot them. <laughs> uh, so I decided, screw it, I'm just going to have some fun. I'm going to enjoy the game and play it as much as I can. But yeah, so the weapon balance intrigues me a little bit. On the plus side, it didn't seem like things were super overpowered. It just seemed like things may have been a little underpowered, a little, you know, there wasn't enough motivation to use things. So that's the only real issue I had uh, weapon balance-wise, and we'll we'll just have to keep an eye on it. It's not something we know for sure is going to be bad. Uh, we'll have to wait for the demo to really see how it plays out there. One thing that I'll say for this new setup is uh, I feel like Bungie did themselves a big favor by going to uh, essentially a two primary, one power weapon. We'll go with their terminology there uh, setup because I, I think that overall the balance in the meta is going to be much easier for them to figure out um, because they just they they have they they don't have three separate classes to try to to keep in check and heavy in Destiny one. Has, has been both um, largely ineffective in, in Crucible in general in that uh, it's a very, very small percentage of all kills. Um, but then in, in certain game modes, it can also be completely overwhelming at, at points. You know, like if you got, could you imagine heavy every round in Trials right now, it would be the only, it would be the only thing that mattered unless you're on a very good team and you wipe them before they get the heavy but you'd have to make sure you did that right so in anyway before i get too deep into that i'm just saying i think that bungie has really simplified their job by lumping all of those one hit kill weapons into a single category i think that was smart and i think it, it probably freed them to do things like make fusion rifles better um because you know with with total respect to to voop nation out there you guys have to work really hard uh, to make those fusion rifles successful and uh, seeing those get moved into the heavy slot means they can now have that that heavy weapon power uh, and I think that's fantastic for fusions I think that's fantastic for uh, hopefully going to be fantastic for snipers and shotguns and, and that's one of the questions I wanted to ask close to my heart is uh, is the shotgun um, how uh, did, did you get a chance to play with any shotguns and, and how do those feel if you did I did. I didn't get any kills of them. I actually found that uh, I just wasn't focusing that much on the ammo when I was using the shotgun. I didn't feel like I needed it, basically. So I was just rocking with my primary. I did get killed by a shotgun a couple of times. Um, it seems powerful. The shotgun really does seem powerful. I got charged with it and just brutally destroyed. And I was like, holy shit. But it was rare because... You know, only one person basically on each team or two players max was getting that type of heavy ammo. Right. And they only got a few shots. And when they died, they didn't have it anymore. So, you know, it was, uh, it seemed like they were powerful. Honestly, with the exception of snipers, snipers, granted, the sniper they gave us seemed to be a low impact sniper. Um, but the fusion rifle seemed powerful. The shotgun seemed powerful. The grenade launcher wasn't as powerful as I thought it'd be. It looked like it took two hits to kill someone, but the blast radius was pretty nice. The rocket launcher was insanely powerful. Could kill someone out of a super powerful, which I loved, but you only got one rocket. I always thought it was weird that you could shoot somebody with a rocket and then they would they would power through and kill you anyway. I mean, it, it, feel, it feels good when you're the super and you can tank a rocket, but it feels weird being the person shooting the rocket and not not getting that kill consistently yeah, no you you could definitely kill him with rockets this time i hit a dawn blade straight in the face and he died hit a striker they died i mean it was actually very very nice 
Uh, and it made me prioritize that when I had the rocket launcher and I could see their supers would be up on the UI. Yeah. Um, but I mean, it seemed like the guns were powerful. I'm just interested to see because for the life of me, I couldn't understand why I would want to use a sniper rifle in this particular game mode. And I guess that's something that's to be expected. But at the same time, I saw other people using grenade launchers and I saw other people using shotguns and stuff like that. So, but we'll, we'll see how the meta shakes out. Maybe they'll balance it by you know, giving us better snipers than the one they gave us at this point in time. Maybe there'll be snipers that pick up less rounds, but they kill in a body shot or something like that. I don't know. I honestly am not sure, but yeah. it's something to keep an eye on. It's one of the things that at the moment I'm a little concerned about. There are definitely a lot of questions. There are a lot of things that are going to be unanswered for a little while here, but uh, good stuff to think about. Um, did you have anything else on the uh, quote unquote bad front or do you want to get into the ugly stuff? No, like I said, it was pretty much, it was the vast majority of it was good. There was nothing I legitimately didn't like about the game other than the lack of customization, which again could be attributed to the build we were playing, and the idea that a couple of guns seemed to me to be useless. Um, that being said, that's basically the only things I could come up with in my mind that I was like, hmm, you know, well, that and the abilities, you know, I thought were a little bit too slow, but that comes with a lack of customization. It's just, those are the only things I really came up with in my mind that I was like, eh, I'm kind of iffy on these. Almost everything else seemed good. Um, however, now we get into the ugly, which is what the community is kind of upset about. And there's been a lot of talk in the community about two things, a lack of dedicated servers and a lack of 60 frames per second on the PS4 and Xbox One versions. Now, I want to say that would I have loved 60 frames per second? Absolutely. I would have no reason not to want 60 frames per second. Right. Uh, I, like, why would I not? You'd be crazy to say otherwise. Sure. Yeah, it's a, it's a wonderful luxury. Um, but that's what it is. It's a luxury. I've played 30 frames per second shooters my entire life because I started with Halo. And I've played 60 frames per second shooters two simultaneously and is 60 frames per second nicer yes it is is it a deal breaker no it is absolutely not and you guys need to stop making unless you're one of the few people who legitimately gets headaches from 30 frames per second it's too jerky for you get headaches you guys need to stop making it seem like this is the deal breaker that is going to stop you from buying destiny that it is unacceptable that it is 30 frames per second it is not that big of a deal is it smoother at 60 frames per second of course it is is it playable at 30 frames per second? Yes. You damn well know it's playable. You've played it for the last three years. You've played it for the last 10 years before that, or a dozen years, or however long you've been playing Halo 4. You know full well that you can play at 30 frames per second. It is not this god-awful, horrible thing that you're not going to buy Destiny now because it's not 60 frames per second. All right, I went and played on the PC version, which was 120 frames per second. And then I came back to the PS4 Pro version, which was 30 frames per second. And was it noticeably less smooth? Yeah, it was. Did I forget about it in two games? Absolutely. And then I kept playing, and I kept enjoying myself, and it was still fun, and it still looked great. And on top of that, it's at 4K resolution now. What I'm saying is 60 frames per second is not a necessity. It's not a true necessity. The game is not unplayable without 60 frames per second. All right? It is a luxury, like many other things in the game. And in fact, on the list of luxuries that I have, it is like the very, very last one. As long as that 30 frames per second is stable, I'm good to go. 
like 60 frames per second if you checked off in-game grimoire if you checked off balanced weapons if you checked off every single other luxury that i could possibly freaking imagine for destiny and they were like hey there's nothing left for us to do to destiny is there anything else you want i'm like hey could you guys make it 60 frames per second that'd be pretty nice That'd be awesome. But if they came up to me and they were like, look, we can either make it 60 frames per second or we can put the Grimoire in the game. I'm going to say put the Grimoire in the game. We can either make it 60 frames per second or we can balance it, balance the special weapons. I'd say balance the special weapons. And it's not that in-game Grimoire or balance special weapons takes away from frames per second. I know it doesn't. But they have limited resources they can, they, they can devote to stuff. All right? I'm talking about manpower resources. Mind resources. They have limited amounts of their time and money and effort they can spend to putting stuff into the game, okay? And there are certain luxuries that we would all like to have. 60 frames per second for me is way down that list of luxuries on a console shooter. It just isn't that far up there compared to all the other stuff that they are giving us. You know? So that's, that's just the way I feel about it. Yeah, and I can definitely see where you're coming from there. Some people have gotten super, super salty about this, and it's just, you know, to say like to say that the game doesn't look better than Destiny 1 I think is nonsense. Like, I watched it on my total non-gaming monitor at work, and it looked, like, noticeably better than the game does on my, on my TV at home. Uh, it, it was obvious that they have made significant graphical steps. Like, you know, I, I've seen people claiming, oh, you couldn't tell the difference between Destiny 1 and, and Destiny 2 if you compare them side by side. And I just, I, <laughs> uh, I, maybe, maybe if you turn the screen off, you can't tell the difference. I don't know. But uh, it was pretty, pretty friggin' obvious to me, and I have not, I have not seen it hands-on. Um, and... You know, I, I think maybe we're getting a little bit salty about this, but, you know, and, and we maybe this is the kind of thing that, you know, sometimes you, you were like, oh, somebody's going to say, oh, you're you're just a, a bungee shill. Oh, you got invited to their special event, like uh, blah, 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 blah. Like if you listen to our podcast, you know that that's just not how we are. Uh, when we see something we don't like that Bungie's doing, we tell it how it is. We've we've <laughs> we've gotten criticism from the other end for being too salty about things in the past. So. Uh, you know, our our aim is always to tell it the way that we see it, uh, and unfortunately, that's not going to make everybody happy all the time. There are some people who are going to hear that and are going to get upset, and that's, you know, that's life, I guess, right? We can't can't please everybody. Somebody's going to be mad, and that's fine. Uh, we're okay with that. So, um, for me, like, I just I, I know people who say that they can see the difference. I own Titanfall two. And I own Destiny, obviously, and I play both of them. I play a lot more Destiny than I do Titanfall just because, you know, my friends all play Destiny and I have very few friends who play Titanfall 2 at this point, even though many of them own it. Um, So take that for what it's worth. Uh, I can tell that Titanfall 2's graphics are better than Destiny 1's graphics, but it's not, like, painful. Um, I don't... It's not anything that sticks with me, uh, going back and forth between the two. Like it's, yes, it is something that I am capable of of detecting if I stop and think about it and and kind of really pay attention. But if I'm just going and playing the game, like I just forget, I forget that there's a difference because it doesn't matter to me that much. And that's you know that's me. I know that there are some people who care very passionately about sixty frames per second, and I hope that those people are satisfied playing a game that is going to meet the one thing that matters to them. 
that's that's what those games are there for. That's what Overwatch is there for, and Titanfall Two, and a million other games. Um, and if it, you know, I'm sorry if it hurts somebody's feelings that I'm saying go play a different game if that's what matters. But like seriously, there are days when I don't feel like playing Destiny, and I go play something else, uh, and it's okay. It's you know a million people have said that. Some people have gotten some pretty big backlash for saying that kind of thing. But like guys, these are games. Uh, I I don't know what else to tell you. Um, we're all invested in Destiny, and, and we just gotta we just gotta keep that in mind sometimes that it's not worth it's not worth uh, trying to make threats on the internet over. Like that's just not going to accomplish anything. Yeah. And plus, you can buy it on PC. If you really want 60 frames That's a second, true. you can use a gamepad on your PC. That's true. I'm seriously considering doing that just because I want to have it on PC too because I want to mess around with it on PC and expand the amount of people I play with. And you can use a gamepad on the PC. No, I did not get to use a gamepad at the reveal. All they had was mouse and keyboard on the PC, which I did play with. I'm terrible at mouse and keyboard. And the only thing, you know, if you really want 60 frames a second that bad, get yourself a nice PC and run it at 200 frames a second. On, on the PC, because you can do that, and it'd be awesome. But what I'm saying is, when I made a list of things I wanted for Destiny 2 that were different from Destiny 1, yep. with 60 frames per second on there, you're damn right it was. But I ordered that list in terms of what I wanted the most and what I wanted the least. And, like, these things were, you know, I had a couple of necessities. I talked about those earlier, that the game absolutely freaking had to have or it was going to be a disappointment. And it looks like it's got those. And then I had some luxuries, like, you know going down the list of things that I would really have liked to see. And as I got lower and lower, it was like, well, I don't really want this as much, but it'd still be nice if they had it. It'd still be nice if they had it. You know, I ordered it from most important to least important. Least important was 60 frames per second because it honestly just doesn't really matter that much. There are so many other things in the game that I care more about than frames per second. As long as it's stable, as long as it runs well, that's all I care about. And it does. And 60 frames per second would have been nice. It would have been awesome. But we don't have it. Okay, that's cool. Maybe next time. That's literally all there is to it. Or buy a PC. Those are, those are the two ways about it. Like, you don't need to pitch this huge fit that the game doesn't have 60 frames per second. It's destroyed all your expectations. Your faith in humanity is lost. You're never going to play Destiny again. It's awful. And you personally hate every single developer. Which is what it seems like there are people in the community doing right now who are literally saying, I'm not going to play this game if it's not 60 frames per second. Well, if that's really what's holding you back, then you probably weren't a true fan of Destiny to begin with. And who you probably are is someone who may have played Destiny for a little bit, was disappointed, left, came back in because you heard the reveal was going to happen. They said it's not 60 frames per second. You said, fuck this game, and you left again. And that's fine. Like, I'm okay with people people doing that, but I just... I'm tired of hearing about it on Reddit and Twitter. Like The thing is, is, I still see those things getting retweeted. I see them getting upvoted. I see them being made popular. And it's just, uh, it just blows my mind, man. It just blows my mind. Let's move on to the other, the other topic, I think, of contention right now. Actually, you know what? I, d- I did have one, one final point I wanted to make about the whole... A lot of people are like, well, you know, all these other games have 60 frames per second. Why can't Destiny? And, like, just setting aside the whole, you know, where are they going to invest their time and and what's most important to us, um, Mark Noseworthy actually answered this question. Um, And and the bottom line that he said uh, is that uh, the the PlayStation and the Xbox systems uh, could not handle the destiny simulation consistently at 60 frames per second they couldn't do it um 
And, you know, whatever criticisms people might say, oh, well, then you need to, you know, make your code more efficient or blah, 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 blah. And, like, these guys are professional game creators. Like, this is what they do for a job. They make a AAA game that sells millions of copies around the world. If they can't make it more efficient, then, like, I'm just going to take them at their word that, that it cannot be done at the time. And I'm good with that. Like, that's the, that's the bottom line for me is that it is not 60 frames per second because it cannot be. Let's move on. Now, the second thing that I'm having a little bit of an issue with, and we personally talked about this on the podcast before, is the dedicated servers issue. I think we had a viewer uh, who or a listener who asked if I thought that they were going to be moving to dedicated servers in Destiny 2. And what did I say? I said no. I said I don't think they're going to do that. And we explained the reasons why. Number one, it's cost prohibitive. It is insanely expensive to put dedicated servers for a game that is a worldwide player base. There are people in Japan, there are people in Australia, there are people in South America, there are people in Canada, there are people in Norway. There are people all over the world who play Destiny. It's not quite like Call of Duty. It's not li quite like some of those other games out there, which have very centralized player bases where you can put a server smack dab in the middle of Korea, a server smack dab in the middle of US, a server smack dab in the middle of you know, Europe, and you can just be okay with it. And that'll basically be it. If you were going to do that for Destiny, you would have to have servers all over the world. Or you would, you know, have some people who'd be left out. And that would be very, very expensive. And if you don't put them all over the world and you do leave people out, you basically take people who right now with P2P connections can actually play most of the time. And you make it to where they basically can't play at all. That would suck for those people. On top of that, for the vast majority of people, like 90% of people, you probably wouldn't even notice that much of a difference. You probably wouldn't even notice that much of a difference between dedicated servers and P2P. In fact, it might actually get worse depending on where they locate the server at. You know, if I'm in Florida and the server is out in Arizona, my connection is going to be worse to that server than it would be if I'm in Florida because there are definitely a dozen other Florida players playing right at this exact moment in time that I could play with. So what I'm saying about dedicated servers is people feel like it's this solve all button. Like you hit dedicated servers and all the lag goes away. It doesn't. In fact, it could actually get worse for some people and the majority of people won't notice a difference. The people in the most heavily populated zones won't really notice a difference. The people in the least populated zones, if they go to dedicated servers and Activision doesn't shell out tons of cash, they might actually be totally shafted. So you guys got to stop looking at dedicated servers like that's a solve all button. It is really not. All right. It, if you had unlimited money, would dedicated servers be the answer? Absolutely, if we had unlimited money. We don't have unlimited money. As much as we think Activision does, they are obviously saying that they don't think it is worth it to spend that amount of money when they have a system that the majority of the time works. Does that make sense? Um, so that, I mean, that does make sense. It makes absolute sense. This is something that we talked about a week or two ago, um, maybe, maybe two or three weeks ago, but... Uh, Essentially, the bottom line is that it takes really deep pockets to make dedicated servers work. Like, if we look at come or or an extremely focused specialization in making them work. Like, I I think the two games that I've heard compared are like League of Legends, which is a completely different type of game from Destiny, and Riot Games, who makes uh, League of Legends, has insanely deep pockets. Like that that game is like. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of money involved in that game uh, in terms of tournaments and pro players, and, and the company is 
not doing badly uh, <laughs> by any stretch of the imagination. They're one of the most successful, uh, financially su- successful game companies in the world. Um, so they can afford to make that happen, uh, which is what it is, right? Let's not make excuses for anybody. We're just saying this is how things are at the present time. In a perfect world, there'd be a dedicated server in everybody's house, right? And that would be fantastic. We would all have perfect connections all the time. Uh, so let's not let's not uh, <laughs> go too far down that rabbit hole. Um, on the other hand, you can also look at you know what what are the technical specializations? Like there are companies like I believe Respawn, uh, who makes Titanfall. Uh, they're very well known for their technology around dedicated servers, and so that's. That's something that you know that we've seen some some discussion of. Uh, you know, why do they have it? Why do we not? It's because it's that company's specialization. Like, you know, on the other hand, you could say, well, why does Destiny have, you know, a lot more players than Titanfall 2? It's because, you know, Bungie's specialization is uh, is what it is, and they make they're making this specific type of game that appeals to a very broad audience, um, and they're very good at it. Obviously, we wouldn't all be talking about this game right now. So. Um, which is not to say that the guys who make Titanfall 2 made a bad game by any means. I I enjoy it, but um, it's a different game. It appeals to a different audience, and, and they have different technical specializations and, and knowledge. Um, it would be great if everybody shared all of that knowledge, but that's not going to happen. Um, you know, People keep that stuff to themselves because it offers them an advantage, and that's the way that economics works. So uh, for the moment, you know, we've, we've got... What's what's coming to us is the game that we're gonna get, right? Like we don't griping about this isn't gonna cause them to suddenly put it into Destiny Two. They aren't gonna be like, "Oh, you guys are right. We totally forgot. We we meant to have dedicated servers and we forgot to get them." Like it's not gonna happen. Uh, and I don't know. Like <laughs> I feel like a jerk for saying this, but like we just gotta get over it. We got to get over it because it's not going to happen. And if you're upset about that, like, that sucks. And if that was the deal breaker, if that was the straw that broke the camel's back for you, then I'm, I'm, you know, I'm sorry that you're going to miss out on the game. Um, and I hope that you that you reconsider if it's something that that you really wanted to play. But it is what it is. We can all be adults about it and and focus on the things that we can that we can change. You know, we can. We know that we can talk about the gameplay and how those things work, and Bungie will respond to that, obviously, because Destiny 2 is filled with things that we have wanted them to change. So I think that's the thing for us to focus on going forward. Like, I kind of want to drop this whole debate because I feel like it's so toxic. This will probably be the only time we discuss frames per second and dedicated servers uh, in the foreseeable future that I can ever think about. This will probably be the only time we'll talk about it. I don't normally like bringing this stuff up, but because it's such a hot point right now in the debate, that's why we're calling it the ugly. This is probably the first, last, yep. only time, never again, that we're going yeah. to talk about this stuff. But, you know, wh- what I want you to think about is if you're one of those people who really wants dedicated servers, ask yourself why you want dedicated servers. Where do you live? You know, if you live in a major city, dedicated servers probably won't help you that much. There are probably a lot of other players in that city who are playing with you, and your connection should be fine the majority of the time. If you live out in Australia, you better damn well hope that Activision is willing to fork out that money to put a dedicated server in Western Australia, or you're totally shafted. You're just not going to be able to play Destiny at all. If you live in Japan, Norway, same thing. South America, you better hope that they're willing to put out that money, and they're probably not. Well, I think I think Japan, but yeah, I mean, some of the other examples, absolutely, like... 
there are a lot of places in the world where there are, are people who just it's not a major population center or it's not a major population center where they're heavily marketing destiny. And, you know, what it comes down to is who would dedicated servers help? Well, realistically, it would be the people who are getting matched into games with those people from Australia who P2P didn't find someone for them. And so it matches them to the next closest person. And then now you've got a red bar. You know, you live in China and you're matched with someone from Australia. And now your game kind of sucks because you've got that person from Australia who would much rather them play with you than not play at all. So it loads them into your P2P game. And that's what's kind of annoying. Okay. So you know the way we fix that? We can do it a lot cheaper in the dedicated servers. We can use stricter matchmaking requirements. All right. We could open up you know, skill-based windows and let people who are farther apart in skill but closer together in location play together. And Bungie started doing that towards the end. And they even said at the reveal that there was a much tighter focus on connection prioritized over everything else in this game. And it actually helps because it's all 4v4. It doesn't have to find as many players now. So I think, hopefully, fingers crossed, with this renewed focus on the matchmaking, this renewed focus, hopefully, on the netcode that's coming in with Destiny 2, a bigger population searching for less players for each game, I think we should see a lot of these connection issues that we're having hopefully subside. And we'll find out. And I, I would like to think that at that point in time, a lot of the dedicated server talk will subside too. The thing is, it always flares up in times like now where the population is really down, where the game is struggling to match players together. That's when this stuff flares up. Uh, I like to think when Destiny 2 comes out in September, we won't even have to have this conversation. Uh, anywhere in the community we'll see fingers crossed but like i'm saying there are cheaper ways to fix the problems we're having right now in destiny one than dropping however many millions of dollars it would be on dedicated servers worldwide and while still allowing people to play basically yeah and i think i think really talking more about those those things that that at this point can be tweaked and changed is the much more productive conversation we can just move on from that yeah. conversation if we need to. We don't really even need to talk about dedicated servers no. anymore, honestly. We've beat that dead horse into the ground. We're moving on from that. What we're going to do now is we're going to move to some viewer questions. we got questions off Twitter. we got questions off Reddit. Uh, we're going to answer as many of them as we can. We actually got way too many. We're already at an hour's time, so we're just going to try to blow through them as fast as we can. So, Kutch, I'll let you pick a few questions off, uh, off of Twitter. We'll give them an answer, and then I'll pick some off Reddit, and we'll try to do the same. You know, the great thing is that we've actually already answered a lot of people's questions. A lot of people asked uh, questions that that were addressed in the Good, the Bad, and the Ugly right there, so that's that's excellent. Um, I'm going to flip through Twitter here and see what else we've got. Uh, we had somebody ask, this is maybe an interesting, uh, an interesting question. I don't know if you would have had an opportunity to talk to any of the Bungie employees about about, uh, I guess, the rate of content that's going to be coming out. We had Medic FMS ask if uh, if there's a new engine and if it's making it easier for them to expand the game and add new content. And I think really the larger question is, um, on, that's on my mind and a lot of people's minds, is what is the pace of content going to be? We know there's two DLC confirmed. We also know that the Activision CEO, Eric Hirschberg, has said that they're going to be releasing content at a pace that will that they believe will help to keep up with player demand, which to me sounds like a lot more than two paid DLCs. Like it, that sounds to me like a large number of live events. Did you hear any chatter, any rumors, any confirmations? Not even a little bit, man. 
I'm pretty sure that they do have a new engine or at least a revamped engine because they made it seem that way when they were talking about it. We all know they had a bunch of problems within Destiny 1. Yep. Um, and I think they redid they redid it. I don't know if they completely rebuilt it, but I think they reworked it at least. Uh, that was the term I heard used to describe it. Um, but no, there was no chatter at all about DLCs. They were very tight-lipped, and I don't think they're going to say a single word about that until probably come October or November. Uh, when they start talking about that Christmas season DLC that's going to come out. Yeah, so that's that's something... I think that is probably pretty close to the top of my list of questions that I that I would like to see answered leading up to the beta, um, is what that pace is going to be, what exactly their plans are. I'm pretty sure that we're, we're not going to hear those questions answered before the beta, um, You know, maybe not until closer to launch or after launch. But uh, that's that's definitely something I'm wondering about, too. Um, do you have a, a good question from Reddit? Or do you want me to, to keep rolling through Twitter here and then we can go to Reddit? Well, I'll, I'll read a couple of them off of Twitter. We got Sarabi HD says Deej versus Luke Smith. Who would win in a fight? <laughs> now I'm going to say Deej here. I'm pretty sure Luke Smith is a pacifist, number one. And number two, I've seen Deej a little bit a little bit tipsy and he's feisty. So I, I bet Deej would win. Fair. Um Tarvik the Count says, do you think Raid Crucible is a necessity at launch? And if not, what other stuff can they do to make the Destiny 2 experience last longer? Now, necessity is a strong word. Uh, I don't think it's a necessity, meaning if they don't have it, I'm not going to play it. I do think at some point in time, they are going to need to add it in. Hopefully sooner rather than later. I'd like to think around the time of the first DLC. I do think that that would be something they would do to make the Destiny 2 experience last longer. Other than that, Tarvik, I'm just going to say continued events man more stuff for us to do that's always what it is more stuff for us to do and i'm not talking about time gating stuff that's already in the game i'm talking about there's more stuff in general yeah absolutely absolutely um i wanted to jump to this is a good question from savage on twitter uh what's your thoughts on potentially destiny esports i'll say my thoughts from what i've seen is that by leveling the playing field uh they might they might have a have a mindset toward that what did you what did you see what did you hear i think it's inevitable i think it's going to happen destiny esports is absolutely going to happen activision owns mlg activision has partnered with bungie sony is partnered with activision and bungie a lot of people are thinking the competitive scene is going to end up on pc i think the unofficial competitive scene will be on pc i think that the official scene will be on ps4 because sony has such you know, it has its hands really deep in Activision's pockets, basically. They do. Uh, so I'm, I'm pretty certain that that's the way it's going to end up going. Much to many people's chagrin, they certainly do with that. Mine, specifically. I freaking hate that. They even talked about thanking Sony at the reveal, and that was the only thing I didn't applaud or cheer for. I sat there silently, as did, I don't want to say half, but a fair amount of the auditorium. Fair. Uh, fair enough. Uh, France Paul asks, the social space... On the European Dead Zone and Hawthorne, nobody is talking about that. Because we weren't given any information about it. Yep. All we saw was a little bit of a cutscene. We saw some soccer goals, and it looks amazing, but we were given nothing about that. There was nothing extra that they talked to us about once that cutscene ended, basically. So I'm as much in the dark as you are, France. Fair enough. Uh, let's see here. What, uh, what else do we have? Uh, why do you think the subclasses that were chosen for replacement got chosen, asks Sim- Symphony. Because they cause the most issues, honestly. Blade Dancer has caused issues from absolute day one. Yep. Sunsinger has been the bane of every raid designer the entire time. Yep. The fact that you could self-revive, it's been the bane of trials. And Defender is just 
not really used in PvP that much. It's either super broken if you're running a, a bubble chain with uh, yeah. good people, or it's completely unusable, um, or or just not good anyway. Uh, in PvP yeah. and PvE, it's basically like if you look at like just from the PvE standpoint in raids, uh, it's either you know uh, looking for two more must both be bubble titans um or else you know if it's like prison of elders and and 90% of the time you just do not care uh so um that makes sense to me and that being said i'm willing to bet that night stalker uh sorry night stalker um stormcaller and sunbreaker i bet they don't come back Seriously, I bet they're gone. I bet we only have six subclasses when the game launches. I bet it's the original three and Gunslinger, uh, Striker, and Voidwalker, and then the new three and Arcstrider, Dawncaller, and uh, Sentinel. I bet I bet those are the three we get. I bet the other three don't come back. That would be very interesting. Um, we'll definitely have to have to see. Uh... Speaking of striker, Garebear asks thoughts on the multiple striker super. It's crazy. It's really good. Extremely, extremely good. Um, the ability to smash multiple times or to basically run around and shoulder charge people while you're in super and you're getting that damage resistance, it's extremely good. The shock radius is much smaller, though. Like, way smaller. Um, you have to be, like, pretty close to within, I want to say, like, maybe not melee range, but pretty much melee range to kill someone with it so it's a little bit different but it's it's very very good nice yeah we could definitely see some of that in the gameplay that we've seen and um i'm i'm excited to get to try that kind of thing out uh elusive pineapple has a question for us with movement speeds and abilities looking to be more balanced did they also equalize melee distances between classes that's a good question that was not something i got a chance to test and i'm kind of hoping they don't just because what I, something I'm worried about is the classes blending too much together. Sure. The only differences being the grenades and supers and everything else kind of blending and jumps, I guess. Um, and, and I really don't want that to happen. I want the classes to still be different. I don't want three basically of the exact same class. Um, but I did not get to test that. Okay. All right. So that's a, a question we'll have to table then. Uh Let's see. Luke Noel asks, of the new information trailers, etc., what do you think is the most game-changing? Uh, I don't know if we might have just answered that with the entire podcast, actually, having just read it. Yeah. I mean, basically, the fact that there's actually a coherent story this time <laughs> is game-changing. But if you're looking for PvP, it's got to be the new weapon slot system. has got to be the most game-changing. And, I mean, 4v4 is, is pretty far up there, too. But it's got to be the new weapon uh, slot system. Sure. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, that's that's a dramatic, uh, jump in in what we're gonna be doing from Destiny One for sure. Um, let's see. One other question I had from Twitter uh, comes from the co-founder who wants to know who did you fanboy the most over at the <laughs> event. Honestly, I don't fanboy super hard. That's not really something that I do. That's not really the type of person that I am. I, I talked to you earlier. I made a little bit of a fool of myself uh, in front of True Vanguard. I actually have not seen True Vanguard in person before. I don't watch Twitch too often. Um, or I don't watch big Twitch streamers too often, as I guess what I should say. But I know his name. I've obviously heard of his sniper school and 
you know, I've heard of a bunch of things that he's done, but I didn't actually recognize him. And I was watching him play and I was like, holy shit, this kid is really good. I wonder who he is. Didn't recognize him until the after party later that night. And I saw he was wearing a TV on his jacket and went up and kind of made a little bit of a fool of myself. I was like, hey, aren't you that streamer? And he kind of had this look on his face like, no shit. But uh, like I said, I don't really recognize most people unless I've seen them, you know, unless I've seen them like on my Twitter or something like that, or I have some reason to recognize their face. I don't really recognize most streamers on my own. So, but I had a really great conversation with him. He's an awesome dude. Uh, was very, very cool after that. Talked a lot about what he thought about destiny too. And he's, he's pretty high on it as well. And then actually somewhat unrelated ogre Two, And I don't know how many people in the destiny community know who ogre Two is, but he was an, uh, he was a halo pro player. And he was very, very big around the time when I was in when I was into Halo 3 and Halo Reach. And I remember being in high school and watching his gameplay and just thinking, oh my God, this kid is a god. And he has made the move into Destiny now. He's decided to jump ship on Halo 5 and come into Destiny. And I don't know how many people really recognized him there or anything. And I was just sitting at a table with him. I had no idea who he was. And I like shook his hand. I was like, hey, what's up, man? Who are you? And he was like, I'm a I'm an ogre too. And I was like, oh no shit. And we just went back and forth and had a great conversation about Halo Reach and about how the Halo franchise went and everything like that. So I'm really excited to see him get into Destiny. So those are, those are probably the two that stuck out in, uh, in my head the most. But I don't really do the whole, like, I don't, I don't know, fanboy thing too often. I think I'm more of, like, a reserved person than that. But there's, there's some really cool people there, but I'm mostly admired from a distance. Uh, Mercules reserved? Like, I don't even know who would who would suggest that. This is such... <laughs> So far from a reserved podcast, I don't even know. Uh, <laughs> uh, anyway, let's move on. Uh, we've got questions from Reddit. I think uh, I think you've got that pulled up. If you want to run through a couple yeah. of those here in the time we have left, I got about a dozen questions from Reddit. Um, the first one's from Razubi Do, and he says, "I haven't really read much about people's hands-on experience at the reveal, but how's the movement from year one blink mechanics to Titan scanning and shifty shade stepping?" Destiny PvP has been dominated by agile movement skills. Is Destiny 2 going to have more of the same? I kind of already answered this, but no, not really. It's a lot smoother and softer. It's not like point-to-point, rapid, straight-line movement like it was with skating and surfing and blinking. It's not like that. It's kind of a lot softer, like more rounded, if that makes sense. Um, If it doesn't, you'll just have to wait for the beta, but you'll understand as soon as you get onto it. It just feels softer if anyone's played super smash bros it's like the difference between playing with fox and pikachu if that makes sense i don't know if it does for anyone but there you go i'll try i'm trying to explain it as best i can without actually without actually letting you feel how it is um storb says did you get to play the pc version if so how was it super smooth and lots of fun i hope super smooth indeed lots of fun absolutely not i am terrible at mouse and keyboard shooters i have not played since the original first person shooter which was halo ce on pc that was my first ever first person shooter and since then i have not gone back to pc so no i got absolutely dominated he says he's got a few pc centric questions how are the loading times Slightly faster, about the same. I didn't notice a tremendous difference between those and console. Uh, was there any aim assist present? There was no aim slowdown or drag at all that I could tell on a mouse, but I did still feel like there was a little bit of bullet magnetism or hitbox sizes. Um, he said, did any hitboxes feel large on the PC or are they small and accurate? Uh, it felt basically exactly like it does on console in terms of hitboxes. Nice. Uh, were there any performance issues? Not a single one. Not a single one. It looked fucking gorgeous and the frame rates were amazing. Was there any noticeable mouse acceleration smoothing? 
Uh, were you able to find options pertaining? There are a ton of options for PC. I wasn't able to look at all of them, but I would bet that there are options for that in the settings. There are an absolute ton of them. I did not notice any myself, but there are options for everything, including field of view, uh, which I know is a big one for a lot of people. Nice. Yeah, I, I saw you tweet about that uh, the other day, and, and that's that's good to hear. I know a lot of people really really care about trying to maintain a certain a certain field of view. Uh, and, and obviously on PC when you can have uh, you, you've got some options there so that's that's good to hear that they're supporting the full range of options for PC gamers alright Travis Booley says I'm wondering if there are going to be different weapons for primary energy slots if they share some weapons but it's RNG if it comes out I don't think that's going to be the way it works I think they're going to be different for the slots I'm not 100% um, but, but we'll see he says he imagines the grind for a particular weapon with a god roll I received some leaked information the other day, which detailed how the perk system is going to work. The leak was 100% right about everything that was going to happen at the reveal, and I would assume that the leak is correct about the perks as well. In the interest of spoilers, I'm not going to say anything about it, but I will say that the grind will not be nearly as bad as you think it's going to be. Uh, he was listening to The Last Crucible Radio, blah, blah, blah. This is Soulcon. And he says, true Vanguard put up a vin and mentioned some health changes to classes taking more or less damage. Eight thoughts or insight? I think we talked about that with the weapon perks, uh, the elementals doing more or less damage to subclasses. Oh, yep. I said I don't know for a fact. Um, he also says, do you think there's hope for balancing special weapons with the new system of power weapons? Uh, yes, I do think there's hope. If they do the ammo things right and the weapons are good enough, I think they'll be balanced on their own. I think they're already 100 times more balanced than they are right now in Destiny 1. And I noticed that because I went from playing Destiny 2 for 30 games to then coming back home today and playing Destiny for about 20 games. And Destiny 1 feels broken compared to Destiny 2 in terms of prevalence of power weapons. So I'll just say that. Um, will you be able to share plat characters across platforms in D2? That's from Bcoy Bird 2002 No, you will not. They answered that. Krim in real life says, Hey man, been using your weapons perk spreadsheet since you first released it. It's been the most important out-of-game tool. Questions are, what are your thoughts on the way the weapon archetypes and stats are represented in Destiny 2? I like it. I like that they have actual RPM. Um, I like that they have the archetype listed, although I'm not quite sure how that's going to work because Bungie has always been kind of vague about what they consider to be archetypes versus what I consider to be archetypes. I do archetypes based solely on rate of fire and impact. And Bungie kind of does archetypes based on what they feel the gun is useful for. So I'm wondering whether or not you're going to end up with two guns with the same rate of fire and impact that are different archetypes listed in game. Um, but I do like it so far. I, I like it a lot. It's an interesting question. Yeah, I hadn't, hadn't considered that, but they do not necessarily always correspond to uh, um, what we might, I guess what we're kind of used to working with in terms of the, the rate of fire and the impact being the primary uh, the primary things that affect time to kill in, in terms of just pure math. So, um, hmm, good question. That was a really good question. Yeah. I'd like to think that some of the work that the Destiny community has done in terms of promoting the usage of the term archetypes actually led to that inclusion in-game. Um, but I don't know. He says, in what way do you think they can improve upon these details before release? I mean, hell, if it was up to me, I would throw recoil direction and aim assist bars on there too. And uh, he says the aim assist stat is still... So there you go. He says the aim assist stat is still hidden. Handling is there, but vague. They're still represented by bars without numbers. Um, yeah, when you 
press details on a gun, I would love to see the actual numbers. And I would love to see all the bars. I know they're worried about confusing people and making it too much for like people to understand, but I don't think that's actually really a problem at this day and age. We're all used to that stuff. Yeah, and I mean, uh, honestly, it's not like there's that many uh, numbers in Destiny. Like, I've played, I've played some sports simulators where you've got like stats on players where you've got like, like literally like 60, 70 different stats on a given player, and like, that's a little overwhelming. That's a little more than I than I care to see in a game. Like I realize that maybe is closer to, to real life where you're tracking all kinds of things. But uh, in, you know, in a game, I like to have some granularity and, and some, some things kind of lumped in. I feel like destiny hits a pretty good sweet spot. You know, having, having 10, 11, 12 stats on a gun is not overkill. Uh, and I hope that they do just, you know, if, if it, if it exists and if it's something that, that affects the way the gun works, I hope they just give it to us. Yeah, I would I would like to say obviously, of course, from my personal opinion, I would err on the side of more stats than less. I mean, what um, I don't what podcast is this the <laughs> Yeah, it's not like we ever talk about no, stats or anything on Not there, our bread and but, butter. Um, all right. Um and then Black NBUK says I'm not sure you can answer, but the big question I've got is the armor agility recovery scaling the same as before? Is there a bigger gap between min and max? That's something that could radically change how the crucible plays. I don't know that. I feel like it's going to be a bigger gap than it was before. The differences weren't really enough. For armor, they were. Uh, but for And for recovery, they maybe were too. But for agility, they were not. I think they'll probably change that, but I don't know for sure. Um, Deuthanizer says, Was anyone able to play the new Ark Hunter subclass in the Crucible? No. Nobody was able to play that there. Lend, Landiske? L-A-N-D-I-S-K-E? Landisk? Says, What do we know about the revealed perks of guns, and what do you think they'll mean in terms of weapon loadouts? Some of the real concepts look interesting, like the reload perk that drops the mag in exchange for a much faster reload, or that all weapons seem to have a set perk like lightweight. Um, so that lightweight perk is, I'm pretty sure, the actual archetype of the gun and not the actual specific lightweight perk. Uh, because I saw it on submachine guns and sidearms and high rate of fire weapons. So I actually think lightweight is referring to the archetype, and the actual perk of the archetype is that you can move faster hmm. with it. Okay. Uh, that being said, there was a perk that when you reload, it dumps the magazine, uh, and you lose whatever rounds are left in the magazine when you reload, like out of your inventory, but it reloads much faster, which is a really, really cool perk. I like it on primary weapons. Who gives a shit? You know, on other weapons, it's going to be a lot more important, but I thought it was a pretty cool perk. Um, I didn't see enough variety. Most of the perks I saw, with the exception of that one, were very similar to perks that are already in Destiny right now. They didn't seem to be game-breaking. They just seemed to be little bonuses. Uh, one of them was increased accuracy on first shot, uh, which was pretty nice. Uh, it had a little audio cue every time you shot, um, just like Hawkmoon or something does in PvP. I mean, I didn't see enough of the perks to really know how they're going to affect the guns. What they gave us was very vanilla, very bland in terms of most stuff. I assume there'll be a lot more crazy changes that we'll see in the in the beta. Yeah. Um, it looks like Crotus Scrota, which is a truly tremendous name, by the way. I love that name, Crotus Scrota. Says he's a terrible player and therefore usually a self-res warlock. So when I inevitably jump off a cliff, I can res before people make fun of me. Was there any indication self-res would come back? I would guess no. Based on the fact that they replaced it with another solar subclass, I doubt they're going to double up on solar subclasses. Although, let's be real here, that would be completely, totally awesome. If they doubled up on subclasses and that was how they started expanding it, like there were two arc subclasses for each character too, that would be the most badass thing ever. I would totally love that. 
But uh, no, I saw no indication that it was going to be coming back. So sorry about that. And then very last question from Trantas Magoria. He says, now they've added map location callouts next to the radar. Do you think they should add player character banter similar to Halo 5? For those who don't know, which would be me because I don't play Halo 5, the way it works in Halo 5 is that your PvP allies have context-based dialogue that will pop up quite frequently given certain triggers. They see an enemy, they see you at low health, they get shot at by a sniper. You can't hear it when your own character is saying these things to your allies, but for example, the your character will say, enemy at low street, sniper down on bridge, your low health take cover. Uh, you cannot hear that, but your teammates will hear that. It basically saves you the hassle of having to do callouts. I know opinions are divided on this, so I'd like to hear where, where you guys stand. Um, I would be extremely surprised if they did put that into the game. That doesn't seem like a bungee thing to do. It's not a bad idea at all, as long as you could turn it on or off, because I think it would be very annoying if you didn't want to hear that stuff. I would stuff. turn it off. Uh, I think it would be extremely confusing and obnoxious. Um, but for newer players, it could probably be pretty helpful if they, if they actually listen to it. I would be extremely surprised if Bungie put that into their game. They have not been the type of company that holds hands in terms of learning. They kind of just kick you into the game world and then they're like, all right, go enjoy yourself. Um, that stands for PVP and PVE. So I would be really surprised if they inserted something like that, uh, honestly. But, I mean, it's not a terrible idea, but like I said, it would have to have the ability to be turned on or off. Because I personally would probably not want to hear that yeah. stuff while I'm bouncing around. It would just annoy yeah, me. Yeah, I definitely would, would get pretty tired of that. Um, I, I like the uh, like the chatter in the tower, and I like also how it's not constant. I like that it's it's very, you know, relatively infrequent. Um, so I, I, I guess I would say, you know, it, it's... We'll find out, right? Um, but if they include it, I'd be surprised. Yeah, if they include it, which, which, like you said, doesn't seem too likely uh, at present, at least. I really hope there's a toggle. All right. Well, I think that's everything I've got. Uh, I hope we answered everybody's questions. Uh, I hope you enjoyed the discussion. I hope you maybe learned something, at least got to see a little bit of my opinion. Um, and Kutch, what else do you, uh, do you have to add to this podcast? Uh, gee, that's a good question, man. Uh, I've got a couple of things to bring, to bring here to the end of the podcast for us. Um, so we've, we've been doing a giveaway, um, which technically you brought to the podcast as well, which is just really hurting my self-esteem right now. I'm not feeling super important, but that's okay. That's okay because I get to talk about it. Um, we gave away an emblem of light, uh, a, a union of light emblem. Whew. Boy, it's getting to that time of night. Uh, and we have we have a winner. Um, I'm going to do a little drum roll here. Cut this out if it's annoying. The Real Raffi. Congratulations, The Real Raffi. You are our lucky winner. Um, and uh, welcome welcome to uh, being, I think, I think you might be a new Twitter follower for us. Uh, hopefully a new and ongoing listener to the podcast as well. Uh, either way, you're going to get that that emblem. So uh, contact us on Twitter if uh, if you don't hear from us first. Um, and that is, I think that's that's the big thing. A lot of people have been looking forward to find out who's winning. There are a lot of those giveaways going on right now. Um, I think we might have gotten it out there pretty close to first, but within a 
within 24 hours, I saw at least five other people giving away the emblems they got as well. So look for those if you didn't win. Lots of folks, lots of folks out there handing out emblems right now. Uh, Merck, you've got something else though that we're going to give away to some of the folks who are who are really making this podcast happen for everybody. Yep, I got a uh, I got a beanie and a little Destiny travel bag thing uh, from the reveal. So we're going to be giving that away to one lucky patron. Doesn't matter how much you've given us or you know when you became a patron. We're just going to use an RNG random number generator. We're going to give it to one of you. We'll contact you and uh, and mail it out. Yep, absolutely. So very excited to be giving that away and saying thanks to the folks who make this happen for us. Um, just for, for anybody curious about the methodology um, behind uh, behind the giveaways that we do here, which we don't do a whole lot of, although we, we got pretty lucky here that we have some, some stuff to hand out. Um, I use random.org to generate a number. Um, I, I create a list of everyone who's entered, and then I just uh, head over there, generate a random number, and that's our winner. Um, and that's uh, that's uh, that's a true random number generated using atmospheric noise. So it is uh, true to the massive breakdown uh, idiom, um, going after the real deal and not a not a pseudo random number generator by any means. So um, be on the lookout for that. And uh, you guys on Patreon, this will be the first time that you're hearing about that giveaway. So uh, looking forward to talking to you guys about that and uh, and announcing the winner. Um, I guess in a couple of weeks here. So, very exciting there. Also want to say, uh, in closing, if you don't have anything else, Merck, if, if, uh, if you're listening to us here and, and we're wrapping up and you are out of Destiny Podcasts to listen to, do not fear. The Destiny Tracker Podcast Network has you covered. Uh, we've got a bunch of great podcasts that are partnered there. Um, we've got, obviously, the Destiny Tracker Podcast. We've got the Lorecast the RNG cast, Rabbit Hole Radio, and Destiny Down Under. Some great folks, uh, some of my favorite podcasts in the Destiny community. Go check them out if you have not already. And uh, that is all that I've got this week. Uh, just want to say thanks again to all you guys for tuning in. Hope you enjoy the cast. This is Kit Kutcha. Oh, uh, shit. One other thing I did want to talk about. Damn, I am just not on the ball today. Um... So good luck to you editing all this nonsense, Merck. Uh, <laughs> um, I'm I'm fresh off a charity live stream with Sundowners Gaming. Just wanted to say thank you to them for the opportunity to participate. Uh, that was a fantastic, fantastic event. A 24-hour live stream running on uh, Saturday, May 20th, um, to uh, to raise some funds for the vets. Uh, those funds go into some great charities, uh, Helping Heroes, uh, StackUp.org, um, and uh, uh, Canadian Vets organization as well. Um, they raised over $2,700 in 24 hours. It was a great event. Second time they that they did it, uh, I know they'll be doing it again next year. So if you missed out, A, watch for it to happen next year. It will be happening again. And B, uh, I don't believe it's too late to donate. You can still head over to sundownersgaming.com slash charity and you can still contribute to the cause right there. Um, whether you watch the event or not, there are still folks who need help. Uh, and, and we heard from some vets during the live stream. Um, these organizations make a huge difference for people who are risking their lives. Um, and, and it's just, it's, it's so important that we, that we do take a moment to, to say thanks and to help out where we can. Um, so I just wanted to make sure that I did not forget that and that I nearly did. So... Uh, so there's that for you. And that's that's all from me. This is Kit Kutcha signing off.
All right, later, you guys. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you next week. Bye.